where are you, friends? I say, where are you? And not, how are you? Because where are you, I think, determines how are you. It's the same voice the Lord spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. The Bible says that the voice of the Lord, they heard the voice of the Lord walking through the garden, and and the voice called out to them and said, where are you? And it called out to them because of where they were, and they were hiding. The Lord has put something on my heart all week um, to speak to you all. And I call you friends because you guys are my friends, but I admittedly really haven't been a friend to you in the way that God wants me to be. And he's called me to say something very specific today. Um, and I, I just pray that we'd have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts, Lord, to listen. And I just want to begin in prayer before I begin. Father, I just ask, Lord, that your words would come out of my mouth, Lord, and they would be your words that you alone would receive the glory, Lord. And that even through these songs, which just have broken me, even just hearing some of those songs today, Lord, to speak of your holiness and your grace and your mercy and your kindness, Lord. And, and I pray that through those even that you've been preparing the hearts of your people, Lord, that the ground that your seed would fall on would be good ground, Lord, that it would bear fruit. And uh, we pray for Pastor Ken, Lord, uh, while he's away, and for his family, and for the family of his aunt, Lord, that need to know you, Lord. And I pray that your word just speak as powerful to their hearts as you did in the very beginning when you spoke the universe into existence. Your word is so powerful, Lord. That is the catalyst. That is the power of God is your word. And we thank you for your life-changing word, your life-giving word. In Jesus' name. So I've titled this God's Holiness. I opened up with, where are you? Because that is what the Lord has been speaking to me for a very long time. Um, it's very easy to come here and walk through the doors and to sit in the same pew, well, pew, same seat, every week and carrying fears, doubts, um, not of who the Lord is, but just in general. Um, fears, doubts, um, the past, and hide it in the face of all of you. And occasionally put on a smile. Um, I look at you. I admittedly probably couldn't even name half of the people that are sitting in front of me right now. And it's because, see, <laughs> when you're walking in darkness, you can't really have fellowship with the light, can you? 
You can't have fellowship with your brothers and sisters in the light because you're not in the light. And not that I've been, not that I will ever deny Jesus Christ who saved me, but sometimes as sheep we can be derailed. We can get off the path. And like Adam and Eve, we go into hiding. We start sowing fig leaves to cover ourselves. And those fig leaves are like religion. You start doing the outward stuff. It's amazing they chose fig leaves because they're pretty scratchy and irritating. But, <laughs> but God's, by God's grace, what did he do? He clothed them with the coats of animal skins. And that took the shedding of blood. And that was by his grace. And I want to read to you. I want to start uh, today just sharing where I've been and, where, and share where you, where I am now and where I'm going. By the grace of God and by the grace of God where all of us here today will be going. Um, so, like I said, I've come through the doors and I've... I've just not been in the Word of God. I haven't been for a while, pretty much. I, I don't know. I, I can't put a, a point on it, but I know that when I stopped teaching the teens, when they started graduating, and I stopped really investing my time and my heart into the Word of God, um, I feel that I just started down on the decline and through hardships at work, I just started making excuses. And I stopped really fellowshipping with the Lord. And my heart wasn't right. My heart hasn't been right coming in here. Um, my heart hasn't been to, to look at, at each one of you and really care about you. Or to know you. I, I see the evidence of salvation all over this building, all over the faces of the people. And I see the faithfulness of so many people in here that come here week after week and dedicate themselves to the Lord and to the rest of the body. And I am so thankful for that because it's really provoked me. Um, and God has used that to speak to my heart. The same voice speaks to me, where are you? And I spoke to uh, Pastor Jim a couple weeks ago, and I said, man, I'm spiritually dry. That was just a polite way of saying, you know what, I'm just walking in darkness. Let's be real here. Um, there's clear contrast in the scriptures that I want to share with you. And I want you to pay attention to some of the key words, and hopefully through the reading that the Holy Spirit will highlight that to you. And that is about light and darkness abiding, fellowship, you know, connection. And I want you to really think about that because I know this, the problem is, is connectivity to Jesus Christ himself and really wanting to know him and really having a heart and desire to be holy 
is he is holy. You see, it's easy to put on fig leaves. It's easy to wear a mask. But, you know, it's hard to hide it from your own heart and from God when you're not where you need to be with him. And I understand that I'm talking to an audience that has God's children in it. Um, I don't know each individual heart. I don't know who, everybody who's saved in here or who isn't. But I know that the Lord wants me to share this with you. And I just want to personally say that I am sorry for being away and not, not giving my love, the love of Christ, to each and every one of you. I think the Lord wants us to be truthful with ourselves. I think he wants us to be real with other people. I'm reminded before I begin that when Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, and you can imagine how dirty their feet were back in those days with the sandals, and you know, and Peter's like, I don't, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus is like, if I, if I don't wash your feet, you know, you can have no fellowship with me. You know, you can have no part. Like, if I, you know, and when he realized it, he's like, well, just clean my feet, you know, clean everything. Clean me up. And he says, what I have done to you, you ought to do for your brothers. For you know, your brothers and your sisters. But if you're not in fellowship with Christ, how do you wash the feet of those around you? How? It's impossible. I mean, God can use you in many ways, sure, but how can he really... And I'm not saying that we ought to have, like, set up basins here and, like, physically let's wash each other's feet. That's, you know, that's not what he's really getting at here but see we we're walking in this world and this world is full of darkness and God wants us to to have a love for our brethren a love for him most of all because we can't love each other right if we don't love him right and he wants us to wash each other's feet he wants us to be faithful to him and he wants us to be faithful to each other But some of us may not even have met Christ and are here today. And I want to talk to you, the people who are saved and the people who aren't. I want to lay this foundation first. What Jesus are you professing to know and believe in? Because there's only one Jesus. It's the same Jesus that was walking in the garden. The Lord heard the the voice of the Lord walking through the garden that called out to Adam and Eve. The word of God, walking. He's a person. He's God Almighty. He's not just the king of Israel. He's not just a prophet or the greatest teacher this world has ever known and seen. He is the I am. He said that. He himself claimed to be equal with God the Father. And 
I say this because there are many denominations that talk about Jesus. And there are many of us here that say, we, we, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And yes, he did. We just need to make sure that we understand who he really is. And we cannot know who he really is apart from his word. So let's dig in. If you can turn to 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to be going across a pretty broad spectrum today. And so if you can't turn as fast as I'm speaking, do not be discouraged. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5 says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But wait a minute, I I thought we've already been saved. Yes, it's true. But cleanseth. It's it's a God is eternal. He cleans, but he keeps on cleaning. I was I had my Bible out at work this week, and somebody came and sat next to me and said why are you reading your Bible? And I was like, <laughs> I was sort of tickled at that. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, haven't you already read that? I said, many times. And then he goes, I don't understand why you are reading your Bible. And it's funny because, you know, where I've been, I used to read my Bible all the time at work at lunch in the break room, openly. And, you know, I went away from that. I was, I had, I built a reputation many years ago. Here comes the, here comes the Jesus freak. Here comes a Christian, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, I got this little mechanical device. It's called a cell phone. Yeah. And then, like in my break room, instead of, you know, when I get on break or on lunch, I'd be just picking out my phone and flipping through, you know, whatever, YouTube, or whatever it is, just look certain things that, that appealed to me. And, and I stopped. I stopped reading the Word of God in my break and on my lunch. So my Bible got put away. And therefore, nobody was, was asking questions. Nobody was seeing. And then, you know, because I, I wasn't reading the Word of God, I'm falling all over the place. I'm getting angry. I'm getting fed up. I'm getting impatient. I am not a picture of Jesus Christ in my workplace. In my work, I'm top of everybody. I have number one sales, number one this, number one that, because I'm purposing in my heart to be the best worker I can be, to be an example of Jesus. But yet, my character and how I've presented myself for people around me they're not seeing love. 
They're not seeing patience. They're seeing a religious person. Well, a person who professes to know Christ and is a very good worker, but nothing that's really attracting them to Christ. I think the Bible calls it a a hypocrite. Um, That's what I've been. But the Lord has done something in me past two weeks. He's gotten a hold of my heart. He has just put joy in me. Like, I was trying to get joy. I, see, I had one foot in the kingdom and one foot outside. I, like, a, like a spiritual amphibian. You know, like, I'm, I, I want to I live in the water, but I want to live on the land. And, you know, it doesn't work that way. You end up getting pulled, you're getting shot at from both sides, you, you know. And your life shows an inconsistency. And it doesn't show faithfulness. It shows inconsistency. And my Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. And you see, I wasn't desiring that consistency. I was, I, I was professing, I want more of you, Jesus, but yet I'm not, I'm not going to invest in your word. I'm too tired. I'm too beat up. And then all of a sudden, these cares of the world... And then my past started trying to get its hooks into me. And then that can only come because of my own choice. Like, I'm not going to make excuses for the external things of this world. Pulling, even though they exist, it's only because of what James tells us that it's, you know, out of the lust that's in our own hearts. It's the sin that's in our hearts. And it reveals itself in the flesh, and then it brings forth death. You see, there's two paths where we're going here. Life, death. Um, We're walking in the light, or we're walking in darkness. With the Lord, there's no middle ground. So I pull out my Bible, and that person asks me, you know, why? And... And I, and I just laughed. I just looked up and I was like, Lord, you're so good. The minute I pull out my Bible again at work, questions. Just pulling out the Bible. And it's like, yes. Yes, Lord. Like this is, I remember this is where I used to be. Full of joy, full of love for you. And being able to be a witness to the people around me. And, and so he goes, well, You've read it over and over and over again. I don't understand. I said, well, you know, first of all, the word of God is living and it's powerful. And it speaks to me. Every time I read it, it's, he's speaking something new to me, to my heart. And I said, but I've got a question for you. And he goes, what? I go, so how many times a year do you take a bath? And he's like, What? I'm like, yeah, you know, how many times a year to take a bath? Oh, um, I, I, I don't get where you're going. <laughs> I said, well, if you only took a bath once this month, um, I'm pretty sure that you'd stink quite heavily and people around you wouldn't want to be near you. And he's like, I still don't understand. I'm like, okay, let me, let me share with you something. I said, Jesus Christ, he saved me. 
He cleansed me of all my sins. Past, present, and future. And he still continues to clean my heart if I'm yielding to him. And I said, when I open up the Bible, it's, he, he starts cleansing me by his word when I read it. And you see, if I only open this up once, and I say, that's enough, I'm clean. I'm deceiving myself. I'm not having fellowship with God. You don't have fellowship with one person one time and say, yeah, I have fellowship with that person. I know you. Yeah, I know of that person who sits in the fourth, pew, you know, fourth row and third seat over. Yeah, I'm, I've seen his face. I saw a gentleman today. I walked in, and I've seen him many times, and I was convicted because I had to ask him who his name was. And he's like, yeah, I've seen you too. And I'm like, yeah, I've got to do a better job of that. Um, fellowship, that's how you know people. And if we think that we know Jesus Christ and we're not fellowshipping within him, or with him, we're not walking in the light because he is in the light. Over in chapter 2, verse 4, it says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abides in him ought to himself also to walk, even as he walked. In verse 15 it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And here, again, is the, the, the continuity, the fellowship, the abiding. And there's a warning built in there saying that, you know, this is, these are the last days. And, and here are some of the fruits of, you know, where you can judge for yourself where you are uh, with the Lord. And, it's, and, and I'm going to go back to that verse 15, love not the world. See, we, we, we say that we love God, and then, but we love the world. Again, I was talking before about being like a spiritual amphibian. I've got one foot in the kingdom. I've got one foot outside the kingdom. And see, there's these things that I'm latching onto in the world that are sitting in the holy of holies that ought not be there. Because there's only one person who deserves to be sitting on the throne of your heart, and that is Jesus Christ. And everything else is an idol. Everything else is a false god. And everything else, just like Satan, will try to exalt itself above all that is called God and all that is holy. 
And it will separate you. It will try to separate you from the love of God. Luckily, if you're saved, you, you have the promise that Jesus said, there's nothing that can separate us from his love. Nothing. But he gives you a choice. Can you separate yourself from him? If you're a true believer in Christ, you know, the shepherd has his flock and here goes a sheep off the path. But see, our faithful shepherd, he knows when that happens. And he, he's, you know, leading the flock still. And in his permissive will, he does not like the fact that the sheep has gone off. But in this permissive will, he allows it to take place, knowing full well that he's going to circle back around and that sheep is cast, and he's laying on his back, flopping for his life. And our faithful shepherd, he, he takes that sheep and he puts him back on his feet. And he starts cleaning him off and getting all the parasites out and getting all the burdocks and all the stuff that is clinging to its wool. And he cleans it and he sets it back on the path. And he sets it back into the flock again. That is how faithful our God is. But I wonder, I had to ask in myself, like, what is it that, what is it that you really love so much more than me, God says? Look what it says. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And it passes away. It's temporary. And Satan likes to lure with all those temporary things. Right? He likes to get you to fall in love with things that are just going to die off. Instead of clinging to the things that are eternal. And <laughs> it's very convicting to hear the word of God, but he's so gentle in doing so. He's so gentle in just speaking that still small, small voice to your heart and, and just turning you back. And some of you might not even know Jesus. And I was thinking about this also. And all I could think of is, is I remember when I wasn't saved. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for pulling me out. Again and again. But we don't want to be truthful with our own hearts, I don't believe, sometimes. There are things in our life that are taking precedence in the preeminence over the word of God in our life. Let's be honest. And we, we call them distractions. And we call them little hang-ups. But ultimately, I mean, John ends his whole epistle here with, Stay away from idols. <laughs> he like he 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 hones it in like these are idols. Um, but what about you know how how do I combat that? Like how, how how do I get away from you know being pulled off into the world's direction? Abiding, abiding in Christ. That's what he's told me. He's like Hans, keep your eyes on me, keep your heart on me, because. I have things to give you that are so far better than what you've been falling backward to try to hold on to. Has anybody ever tried to ride a bike up a hill? What happens if you stop pedaling? 
You're not going forward for sure. <laughs> You're just falling backwards by nature, just when you stop. So we try to say, well, you know, we try to like water it down in our own lives, but um, all through the scriptures, it tells us to keep pressing through, pressing to the mark, the high calling of Christ. But you might be thinking, I just don't have the power. Like, I see what you're saying. I mean, this is not another message about Jesus Christ is God, get right with God, and stop sinning. It's true. But that's like saying, that's like going to your car out here and saying, drive down the street. It's got the ability to, but it doesn't have any gas in it doesn't have any oil. That's another thing I want to talk about. Hopefully the Lord brings that out here. He touched my heart and he said, Hans, do you have a desire to be holy like I am? More than what you're lusting after in this world? And, you know, as a Christian, if if you're born again and you slip back into the world and you start grabbing onto these temporary things, you'll find it's never enough. It's, you, you, you remember when you weren't saved and that you weren't even thinking, you were just lost in darkness and you weren't thinking about how you were grieving the heart of God. And you, you, might, have, you might say, well, I'm happy, I don't need God. I'm happy. I've, I've got things in my life. I've got family and friends. That's, that's enough to get me through. And that's, that's, that's temporary, okay? That's, that's uh, good stuff, but it's temporary. And you're deceiving yourself by thinking that, you have, that that's going to last forever. Because the minute that person falls away in your life, you fall with them. And I'm not saying here that I don't grieve people that have died in my family. In fact, this is one of the hang-ups that Satan was, has been trying to use against me for a long time, that I've been carrying through these doors. So, yeah, I grew up, my mother, she was 16 years old, and... I'm not saying this to expose her in any way because my mom made a very good choice. She was a rebellious teen and she went off one night. She had an argument with my grandparents and she went off and rebelled. And she went to a party and she had sex and she got pregnant with me. And I know the exact day that I was conceived funny because that's the day that she went out and rebelled. Her parents were looking for her because her grandmother had passed away. And they couldn't find her. So I grew up without a father. But my mother got to a point where she had to make a choice. She was too young to take care of me. She put me in a foster home. You know, she stayed up in Rochester. She put me in a foster home for about a week to be cared for, um, to, to, to decide whether she was going to keep me or not. 
um, or my grandparents were going to adopt me. And apparently my mother cried the whole week and uh, she decided to keep me. But I did grow up really with my grandparents and uh, because she had to go out and work and she faithfully did that to try to take care of me. Why am I telling you this? Um, my, grand, my grandmother especially and grandfather, they became very important to me. I've never experienced a love like I experienced from them. That every time I walked into the door of their house, her face lit up. And it was if she had just seen the greatest thing that had ever happened walk through those doors. Every time. And see, I was spoiled with that growing up. And I can never picture a day of not seeing that. And little did I know, she, God was using her as an example of himself. Because God has made himself available to all of us. And when we hear the knock, you know, and we open the door, and, you know, he, he desires for us to, to come to him, and he wants to express that same love to us. He, when we have a desire to have fellowship with him, he... I know his heart. If my grandmother got that excited to see me, and I wasn't even her son, I was her grandson, how do you think it pleases the heart of God when you come in into relationship with him? And he's so far above. He created my grandmother. But she left, you see. She, she, she died a very hard death. And I was empty. <laughs> See, I had, I had put everything that I valued into her. And when she was gone, that started a downhill spiral in my life. But ultimately, God was using that to bring me to him and show me that the love that I've received from my grandmother, he's got a love for you, me that's so much greater. But we convince ourselves that, that we're lost if we don't have certain things, even people. And that's the greatest thing we can have is, on this earth is relationship with God and relationship with man. Um, but then there's other things that aren't really life-giving, like, like, you know, toys and things like your TVs and your cars and, you know, the, the material things of this world that like to grab for our attention as well. But they're temporary. And they're not fulfilling. They'll make you happy momentarily, but then after it wears off. And God says, I, I want to show you who I am. That if you'll direct your heart to me, you could have something eternal. You can have a joy and a peace that's eternal, that keeps on giving 
into your life. But he gives us a choice whether to receive it or not. And this is where John is getting at, I really, really believe. This is sort of where the rubber meets the road. First Peter chapter 1. I find it so uh, interesting where the Lord has taken me today. I've got a sheet here that has a, a plan <laughs> of what I was going to speak on, and he, he veers me off because he knows the hearts of all of you, and he knows what you need. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Do you have a desire to be holy today? I think it's a fair question. Like, do you wake up with, like, the expectancy of, like, Lord, I just, I just want to be like you. You have forgiven me of so much. I have sinned so much, and you've wiped me clean. You don't even, you don't even remind me of it. You, you just wash it away. Um, and I just want to be like you. I, I want to be able to show the people at work and the people, especially in my congregation, that you're gracious. You're full of grace. You're full of mercy. That you really know how to love the right way. And it's eternal. It's not temporary. Do we want to be close to Jesus Christ? And that's, that's the question that he's been really asking me. And and I said, yes, yes. I'm tired of fighting this battle of the mind where things I look at aren't as pure as the way God looks at them. Does anybody here, and you don't have to raise your hands, and I'm probably going to ask some rhetorical questions here. Do you ever get tired of looking at things the wrong way and you know that they're wrong because the Holy Spirit is in you and he's convicting you when you think something and you think and it's evil and you know it's evil and you're like, I, I didn't even mean to see that. <laughs> it might not even mean you meant to see it, but, you know, um, and you see something and it's like, I, I don't want to look at it like that. You know, a lot of us men especially we like to watch football on Sunday, and I grew up playing football. But here I am, I'm like, all right, you know, now the church is out of the way. Now that that stuff is gone, man, and it's a communion service too, and lasted longer than it should have. You know, this is, these are the kind of things that I was saying in my heart. Like, oh, it's, it's going to last longer today. And, you know, it's a shame. I, I'm saying it in light, but it's not light at all. It's just my heart wasn't right. My heart wasn't in it because I wasn't fellowshipping with Jesus. And so I turn out, you go home and you turn on the football game. And there you go, you're watching the game. And yeah, and then all of a sudden, here comes, here comes, we're, we're going to a commercial. Here comes the cheerleaders jumping up and down. 
parading themselves, half-dressed. And then the beer commercial follows. And you're like, Lord, all right. But see, in your flesh, (laughs) see, a part of your flesh like that. The question is, is what are you going to feed? Are you going to feed your flesh? Or are you going to be ruled by the Spirit of God who's convicted you and saying, you know what? You know, if you have a problem with that, if that's you today, lust, which a lot of men do. Because, you know, Satan, see, that's why Satan went to Eve, you know. He went to Eve first. See, the man's just sleeping, you know. Adam, he's like not really doing what he maybe ought to be doing. But, see, Satan went to Eve and got Eve, tempted Eve with power to be like God, you know. And then Eve went to Adam. And so, you know, Satan likes to use, he likes to, he likes to pervert truth, first of all, because he, he likes to take something that's holy and pure and he likes to degrade it. And he likes to do that in your mind. So when, you know, he knows if he gets to the woman first, he can get to the man because man's weakness generally is women. And I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. I think that's how it worked out in Genesis. Um, but I struggled with that a long time um, growing up. Like I said, I grew up without a dad. I grew up with a single mother who back in the early 80s, um, it was easy for that, you know, you have your kids go outside and play and run around and with no too much, not too much fear of like, you know, weird people snatching you up like there is now or shooting or something. I mean, things have changed a little bit. But I remember when I was five years old, um, you know, there was a bunch of kids. We were playing out by the railroad tracks. I know, a five-year-old by the railroad tracks? What was my mom thinking? Um, We were out in the woods, and they had built a fort, right? And the kids and I went in it. And the little kids didn't build the fort. It were teenagers that, that built it. And, you know... Right, go right in there and at five years old that was the first time that I was exposed to pornography there was a stack of magazines in there and all the kids went in there and they were looking and I remember it to this day at five years old being exposed to that see Satan likes to get people when they're young and he likes to pervert truth and how men look at women and how women look at men and you grow up in this world and see you're having fellowship with this world your whole life until the day that you're born again and then you start having fellowshiping with God but see Satan now, now you're a big threat and now since you know you've come to Christ the only real thing he can do to you Christian is to try to tempt you with the former things the old temporary things that got your attention back then, the perversion and the untruth and the death and stuff of this world tries to pull you back, tries to dangle the carrot to get you to to get off the path. But God is more powerful than that. And 
he can overcome that. In fact, he has overcome that. The question is, is has he overcome it in us? And this past week, I got to that point where I was like, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I am miserable, and I am alone, and I am afraid, and I am done. I'm done. I'm done thinking the way I think. Lord, pour your grace out to me again and clean my mind. Clean my heart. Make me love like you because you alone have the power to do it. And then he got me back in his word. And I got back into the word and it was like, oh, Lord, you know I'm saying? Where have you been? No, it's where have I been? But like, Lord, I just miss you. I missed you so much. I want to I have a holy mind and a holy heart. I want to fellowship with you. I want to love my wife the way you want me to love her. I want to look at my coworkers, even though they're a lot, most of them are unsaved, I want to look at them with your heart. I want them to know you. I want to look at all of you here in the congregation today is a brother in Christ, someone who really cares about you, not someone who's going to put on a mask and walk through these doors. I, can't, I couldn't even raise my hand in some of these songs. Most of the time I don't because it's convicting. Because I know my heart's not right. And when it talks about raising your hands, I can't raise my hands because I know that I'm not where I need to be. But I want to raise my hands. I want to give out of a cheerful heart, out of a willing heart. Not out of obligation and religion, necessity. God doesn't want that. He wants truth in the inward parts. He wants us to abide in him. John chapter 15. I can read it real quick. You don't have to turn there. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me... You can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. You know, somebody asked me one time, you know, they were scared, and, and I, I understand it. And I was a Christian, and I said, and I spoke it, but it's like it's more coming to life. You know, where is the safest place we can be in this world? We see the world around us. It's, it's going downhill fast. Where is the safest place we can be? In the center of God's will. Right in the center of God's will, no matter where you are, is the safest place you can be. Where are you? Because he's a, he's a husbandman, right? And he's planted, you know, a vineyard. And... These, these plants are bearing so much fruit and then these are not and then these are drying up and then see the storm is coming and it's going to wipe, wipe out the field 
what do you think the husband's going to do? Husbandman's going to do? He's going to do everything in his power to protect those trees or those vines that are producing fruit. He's going to he's going to preserve those because they're bearing fruit. He doesn't need to worry about the ones that are already dead. I mean, that's sort of a hard truth. But you see, he's telling us here, don't be a dried up branch. Don't allow yourselves to get to that point. Abide in me. The, only, the fruit that's going to come out of your life isn't you coming out and saying, I need to be a better person. And I'm going to you know, self-reform. And I'm, you know, I have a drinking problem, so I'm going to stop drinking. And then I'll be holy, as he is holy. That's not the message today, folks. See, when a, when a person who has a problem with alcohol starts getting sober, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be sober. But now he's still an unsaved, sober person. What God desires us is he wants that change to be everlasting. And by the way, there's a lot more sins that are going on in our lives if you have a problem with alcohol than just being having a drinking problem. There's a whole list of them, right? But see, Jesus is the cure. And he seals that with his Holy Spirit. He even gives you the witness within yourselves. Later, he talks about, you know, he's like, I, I'm going to go to the Father, and, you know, I'm, my Father will be in you. And I will give you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he shall be in you. He will comfort you, right? He, the Holy Spirit, is a he. It's not a force or an essence. And that's another thing I just want to reiterate that our God isn't just out there. He's a person. He's real. He's alive. He conquered death. He rose again. He's alive and he's coming back. And, how, and I wonder how often we think about that. He's coming back. Are we living our lives in a way where he's coming back that, that reflects the fact that he is coming back? John says, 1 John says, he that has this hope in him of Christ's return purifies himself even as he is pure. You know, the, the bridegroom is coming back. And are we, as his bride, as his people, are we ready? Or are we walking in darkness, professing to be in the light? and deceiving our own selves. Because when we're there, we're not looking for his return. All we have to look forward to is guilt and shame. And see, God doesn't want us, he wants us to be assured. He wants us to have confidence, not in ourselves, but in him and what he's done in us. Again, are you hungry for righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a promise. Turn to Isaiah 55 really quick, please. 
or if you can't get there, I can read it. <clears throat> oh, everyone that thirsts, come you to the waters. And he that has no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that knows not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord where, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I send it. For you shall go out with joy. Do you have joy today? True joy, everlasting joy. And be led forth with peace. The mountain and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briars shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Isn't it funny how, like, you know you know when you have the joy of the Lord. You know it. It's in you. You have the joy. You're not putting on a mask. You're not putting on religion. You have true joy. It's eternal. It doesn't go away because the circumstances of your life are changing. And now think, oh, I got everything lined up in my life now. Everything's going the way I want it. All through the scriptures, we see people have that joy. Jeremiah, even though he was weeping for a nation, had the joy, had the joy of knowing Jesus. Paul, how many people, I mean, could ever go through what that man went through? But he had joy, unspeakable. And Lord, I want that joy. I want it. I desire it. I don't want to desire the things of this world that are temporary and are going away. I want the eternal things. And if we think that we're going to come here every Sunday and just put on a mask and not be real with the Lord and not be real with each other and then go out into the world, into the workplace, into our homes and people are just going to come falling in droves for Jesus Christ, we're deceiving ourselves. He wants us personally to be a picture of Jesus Christ to the world. Not that we could ever be as good as he is, but he wants to conform us into his image, that wherever we go, we can be ambassadors for Christ. Starting in our own home, 
starting where nobody is looking, even when nobody's home at home, and it's just you, and your remote, and your phone. What are you looking at, Christian? What are you toying with? What is Satan dangling in front of you that you're leaning to? Or are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to say, not today, and restrain? There is hope for us. First, before I say that, there, there's a way, and I don't want to focus in on too much on this real quick, but there's a way, like Satan likes to, he, he's got a certain way that he does things, and it's, it's the same thing he did in the Garden of Eden. But what he does is he tries to start, he won't come up to you and say, I am Satan, I'm here to destroy you. Ah, He doesn't do that. What he does is he makes evil look good, little by little. And he starts affecting little things over here and over here. And what he wants to do is he wants to break your will. He wants to get you to compromise on this thing so that he can get you to compromise on this thing. And then before you know it, you're full-blown into something that you never, ever thought that you'd be. And then he starts breaking your will, little by little. And you could read this on your own time, but in 2 Kings uh, chapter 18, um, you see that personified a little bit where, you know, Sennacherib, who's an Assyrian king, and he's, he's on the war path. And he's gaining victory over here and over here in this city and that city. And he's coming to Jerusalem. And he's putting the pressure on and see, the problem is, is these little things over in here are, you know, they're worshiping little gods over here and over here. And he's having his success with them. And he's having his success over here. And then he gets to the, like, the gates. And he's, he's now he sends his messenger, Reb Sheka, to speak to, you know, the people. And Hezekiah, to try to get them, you know, to try to sort of bully them into compromise. And defeat. Just accept defeat. Look, it, there's no way. You're outnumbered. I've got you surrounded. I'm taking control of this. I'm taking control of that. There's no way. Right now, just compromise. Just give me some of your wealth. Just let's make a deal here. If you go and read it. That's basically what it's boiling down to. And just accept defeat. And it's very easy when you're looking at that and you're looking at all the external circumstances and things going on in your own walk. Like, um, you know, and see, if you've compromised, he, he'll get you to the point of even going further and further. But ultimately, <laughs> you know, the message gets out to Isaiah who then sends it back to Hezekiah telling him, hey, He's blaspheming. He's blaspheming the Lord. And see, he wants to get to the heart of the city. He wants to get to Jerusalem. He wants to take over that. And, and he starts, you know, making his proclamations. And Isaiah reminds him, he's got no power. He's blaspheming the Lord. But that's what he wants to do, is he wants to get to your heart. 
he wants to make make little compromises so that he can ultimately get to get to the heart and then take control of the you know the temple of God. What does God say? That he doesn't dwell in temples made by hands of men. For you are the temple of the living God, right? You're the temple. I want to dwell in you. And again, unless the Lord is sitting on the throne, unless he's in the Holy of Holies, in each and every one of us, you see, we're going to succumb to temptation. We're going to succumb to compromise. And we need to get it right. We, and the only way to do that is to allow the Lord to have his way in us. Allow his word to penetrate our hearts. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in these last days. That is the light. A, a lamp that has oil burns. It continues to give out light. It continues to emanate light. It continues to burn. And it needs oil rep- repeatedly. It needs to continue to be filled. Not a one-time shot. Here's the oil. Great. I got saved. I, I, I know Jesus now. And then all of a sudden, you go off living in darkness. And you, you, you're not letting God have his way with you. But there's good news. Thank you, Jesus. There's good news for us that have gone astray, that have fallen off the path. In Isaiah chapter 1, He's talking to the nation of Israel, but he says, Ah, a nation, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint, from the sole of your foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds, bruises, putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Let me ask you today, is your head sick? Is your heart faint? Have your, the bruises, have they been mollified with oil? See, it's hard carrying the weight of the world on yourself through the doors of the church every Sunday and in your home. And because you're, you're in hiding and you're not being truthful, see, there's no change. Nothing's changed. You walk away and you still have those sores. And your head is still sick and your heart is still faint. And no real change has happened. Even though you desire it, you feel the pull You feel God knocking on the door of your heart, but you see you're not really opening the door. You're trying to do it yourself. I'll be better. That's self-righteousness, not being clothed with God's righteousness. And see, God, in his heart, he's not angry at you. He doesn't want you to be overcome by darkness. He wants you to trust in him, trust, abide in him. 
He's the one who carried that to the cross, to the grave, and beyond. See, he's the one who has the power to cleanse our hearts and our minds. He alone, not your works, not some other false God or some false Jesus that people want to talk about from other denominations. We're talking about the true Jesus, the Word of God. I want to close with a reading of Psalm 51. It's a very familiar psalm for a lot of us. Psalm of David. After he had been convicted about what happened with him in Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judges. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy uprightness, of, the, er, of thy righteousness. Sorry, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall forth shall show forth thy praise. For you desired not sacrifice, else would I give it. You delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings, with whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. You know how, how I said before how Isaiah, and he talked about the nation being sick from head to toe. I'm not going to get into this deeply, but this is just something that blew my mind when I was reading it. That in Mark talks about how when the woman came in, um, in Mark 14, if you want to write it down, where Jesus' head was anointed with the ointment. And then in Luke, Luke's account, in Luke 7, 36 through 50, um, how Mary of Bethany comes in 
and anoints his feet with her tears and with oil. And I just got to thinking, here Jesus, you know, the, the nation, the people, our head, we're sick from head to toe, and here Jesus in our place, from the head to the toe, the whole thing, all of our sins. He takes upon the whole sin of the world when he goes to the cross. And later on in chapter 1, remember in Isaiah says, God says, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. They shall be as white as snow. And how Jesus fulfilled that by coming in the flesh and bearing all of our sins on the cross and washing us from head to toe. And he continues to cleanse us if we're yielding to him. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And Second John tells us. The question is, again, are we going to be honest? Do we really want to know Jesus Christ personally? This is to Christians. This is to people who don't know Jesus. This is a call to be able to examine our own hearts, to worship, or to, um, you know, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, to examine our hearts, to, to, to be truthful, and to say, does my life, the core of who I am, do I really know you, Jesus? Or, I do, or do I know about you or of you? Do I want intimacy with you? Do I want your holiness? Do you know the purpose of the church? You know the example that he gave to us? Is when he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. To present her holy, spotless, unblameable. It's a picture. It's a picture of Christ in the church, marriage. And the purpose is, is through, through the washing of the word that he could present his bride spotless and blameless. Don't you know that that's God's desire today for all of you? is to present you to the Father, spotless, blameless. I can tell you that you can have that. You can have it today. And I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands. I'm not going to ask you to move or come up. It's right where you are. Everybody knows. Everybody knows in this room right now without excuse if they know Jesus Christ or if they don't. And everybody knows if they're actually walking in the light or walking in darkness. Just as I did. And I asked right where you are, if you just 
be honest with the Lord. I'd like you to bow your heads.